Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Welcome to the latest Forza Italian Football podcast. As ever, I'm your returning host, Connor Clancy, and joining me this week is the ever-reliable and brilliant Vito Doria. Vito, welcome back. It's a pleasure to speak to you. Thank you, Connor. Much appreciate the introduction. Um, probably not the best weekend, but uh, uh, we'll still get into the discussion and talk about the latest highlights from Serie A this weekend. Yeah, I was just thinking before we come on here, I, I have one sibling and I think I speak to you more than I speak to her, Vito. So you're basically part of my family at this point. <laughs> very kind of you. Very kind of you, Connor. Someone who very much wishes she was part of my family, but very much isn't, is Sonia Missio. Sonia, thank you for stepping up at the last minute and saving this from being another two-man show. No problem. I do what I can for you guys. And you'll always be like my baby brother. There we go. There it is. It didn't take too long. Um, when you said baby, I thought something else was coming, though, so I'm happy it was brother that followed. But, uh, we'll there could be another B word in there. No, we'll move on from that before you get the chance to embarrass me anymore. Um, the only place to start, I guess, is with Juve, because they've almost mathematically confirmed that they will be crowned champions for the seventh year in a row, and... To be fair to them, they have probably been pushed further than they have in any other of those seven titles this season. So, Sonia, you are wearing a black and white shirt, so you can start by heaping some praise on the Bianconeri. I mean, last week you guys had that mini fashion show at the end, so I wanted to join in on that. Um, I don't know. Like, I'm thinking about it, but it's boring. Like I realized this year was less boring than the rest for the lead up to the Scudato, but it gets to the point where this isn't surprising. Like I'm sure a lot of Napoli fans are heartbroken and crushed and I can understand and appreciate that. But I think everyone else who's sort of neutral in that two tie race is like, yep, saw that coming. And so I don't know. It just, I think there's so much negativity towards Syria and 
so much negativity towards Italian soccer in general, especially missing out on the World Cup, that this kind of confirms outsider opinion. And so as a fan, I'm just bored. I'm just, I'm not shocked. I'm not surprised. I'm not let down. Again, I'm not an athlete fan, so there's only so much I can say, but it's just like, all right, well, you know, the European race is much more exciting than the Scudato race. And quite frankly, the relegation race is the thing that I'm watching for many personal reasons right now. I thought um, at this point of the season, given how you went on in January, that you'd be keeping an eye on the Champions League race. I've been waiting for so long to get you on this podcast and we're going to get to Udinese later on and I'm going to absolutely just go in on you and Vito's going to join me and you're going to end up in tears by the time we're finished here tonight because... No, no, no. Vito's on my side. <laughs> your early season opinions were an absolute disgrace and I'm glad that you've, they've been proven so and Udinese are going to be in Serie B next year. But Vito, there is that element of predictability and I'm, I'm not going to say that I sat here all season saying Juventus were going to win the league because I genuinely did believe that Napoli were going to do it this season which makes it all the more heartbreaking from a neutral perspective that it's just the same old story Juventus are winning it and as much as it is boring they do deserve praise for kind of making it so predictable and almost a foregone conclusion that they are going to win Serie A. Well, it all boils down to two things. The fact that the Agnelli's family still have control and influence over Juventus, I think that's been very beneficial for them, especially with Andrea Agnelli being the president since about 2010 or 2011. I think that's been very helpful. And also Beppe Marotta, I still believe he is the best sporting director in Serie A. And having... People like them at the club, I think that helps them uh, maintain that dominance in Serie A, whereas the other clubs in Italy don't have the same financial backing or the directors are just not as good as Marotta in identifying players and also making the right deals for them. So I think uh, if you've got the money plus the people to run the club properly, that's going to help your cause a lot more. I've just been distracted by the comments here and people are talking about a Genoa Scudetto bid for next season. So we'll try and avoid that for now, at least, Vito. If we're struggling for a bit of material later, I'll just let you take over. And No problem. <laughs> I, I think we do have a an impassioned Vito Doria rant coming up later. So that's something to stay tuned for. And it's not on his favorite subject of Genoa. So it's going to be interesting. But uh, Vito, I'll stick with you. You mentioned the kind of off-fields ongoing is at Juve what do we think is going to happen there this summer because we kind of said last season that for them to kind of really establish themselves they need to probably win the Champions League they've been to the final twice in the last three years and been I don't want to say humiliated both times but last year they were by Real Madrid in the final so European success it should still be their main objective building to next season so so what do they do because they've got a pretty decent squad there the ballot who knows could leave um there might be a bit of turnover there so where are we expecting them to bring players in from it seems that the deal for emre chan from liverpool is close to being done there's been plenty of speculation of him joining the club on a free transfer from liverpool but i don't think he's the missing piece to the puzzle. There's still certain parts of the team that need fixing. 
there's going to be a expected reshape of the defence, but I think some of the players coming in might not be enough experience to win the Champions League, but I think in the long run they'll be beneficial. And I reckon it's more about structuring that midfield and attack, right? And it also depends on the formation. So with the wingers Juventus have, I think it makes sense to play the 4-2-3-1, but um, in terms of Paulo Dybala's dominance or influence on the team, I don't think he can really impact games in that system in the long term, and he's better off in a two-man striker system. So with one of the rumours emerging of him possibly going to Bayern Munich, uh, I don't know if Munich's the right answer for him, but I think this time after his patchy form in some parts of the season, I reckon it's possible that maybe they could sell him, get the cash, and try to re-strengthen the team in other parts of the field. And I think the midfield is probably another part because Pjanic can't dictate the play by himself. No, he absolutely can't. And the midfield around him, we've seen Blazing Tweedy has kind of done well in there this season, but not at dictating the play and controlling their game. But Sami Khedira, I guess, is probably supposed to do that a little bit more, but he's been pretty poor this season. And then Claudio Marquisio is obviously a long way past his best years. And who knows how much longer he's going to be there for. The reason then... I. Right, I think we might get a bit of abuse because I asked you guys to give you a credit and Sonia responded by saying Serie A is boring and then we looked ahead to what their failings in Europe means as defining them. But this season has been impressive. We're going to move on from Juve now. So I did try and get some praise for them. Um, but the reason that they have been impressive is because Napoli could still finish the season on 91 points and still not get close to what Juventus have achieved, which is just ridiculous. If Napoli get 91 points and don't get within touching distance of them, you just, what more can anyone else do? It must be so demoralizing for not only Napoli, but Roma, the two Milan clubs, Lazio even as well. They can put together these remarkable seasons and astonishing points totals and they haven't got a chance. Sonia, what's the point if you're not Juventus? There is none. No, I don't know. It's it's hard because it's true. Like you do have these teams that are having fantastic runs. They have the best players, the best positions. Um, you saw how far Italy got in both European champions. And then when it comes back home, it's it's a race for second, basically. It's it's a race for those top European spots. And I guess, okay, I'll give a little bit of credit to Juve because they are able to do it. They are able to kind of set out and achieve and become the sort of powerhouse. But more to your point earlier, it's all for naught if they don't do it in Champions League as well. So it kind of speaks to more the point of maybe how bad is Italy? As, you know, in a, in a general sense that you have this one team that's just destroying everybody, but then when they get put into a different stage, they get destroyed themselves. And really, I think the only thing that would help them is if they brought back Sebastian Jadinka. Um, Sorry, anyone tuning in. I <laughs> didn't know she was going to say that. Um, I had an idea that Jadinka was going to get a mention, but even as she went on there, I did not see Sebastian Jadinka's name being brought <laughs> That's an absolute disgrace. And if you're going to do things like that, you're not going to be invited on the podcast ever again especially sitting there wearing your Udinese jersey. Mm. You're an absolute joke, Monsieur. Mm. Um, show some professionalism. 
<laughs> the only thing I'll say in Sonia's defence is that the Montreal Comedy Festival is coming up soon. <laughs> and I did go to Canada five years ago, so the train ride from Toronto to Montreal is not that bad. Oh, she's getting her warm-ups in. Um, Sonia has actually dropped out of the conversation. Maybe she took my I hope she hasn't left. Maybe she took my threat seriously. She's gone. Um, we'll try to get her back. But Vito, what do you think on that? And like, how are these teams that are just effectively fighting for second place now supposed to stay motivated? Because mm. we have the four places for Italy in the Champions League now. Um, it's Juventus and three others, basically. The Milan clubs look like they will establish two of those in the next few years. So... How do they motivate themselves? Napoli might have their whole squad stripped this summer and then they'll be happy to get a Europa League place next season if they do. It's mm. it's a tough one. It is tough. And I'll be honest, I don't think there's much else that uh, the other teams they, uh, they can do. There's not much they can really do because you can't, uh, you can't uh, spend more money, especially if you don't have the money, first of all. And if it's a question of tactics, there's no point in trying to be um, a tactical chameleon like Allegri or be defensive in the old-fashioned way because I don't think that's going to make much difference either. In fact, I think when teams go more cautiously, I think it actually brings them down in this day and age. For me, I reckon a lot of teams should take a page out of Roman's book and just aim for Europe and try to get the extra prize money and so forth because if you're not going to fight for the Scudetto, at least try to find ways in which you can boost your your profits or uh, match winnings. So I think uh, Roma, believe it or not, might have a good thing going, and I don't think for Roma it's a one-off. So don't do what Napoli did and just put your eggs in one basket. Maybe try to balance it as much as you can and see how you go. It might actually, even in terms of trophies, it might, need, might not be beneficial, but maybe in the long run or the bigger picture – maybe you can find money elsewhere. Yeah, you would hope so for the sake of it, because otherwise you could just write the next seven Scudetto winners on the trophy now and just have Juventus' name continue for what will be a total of 14 years and then probably add another seven on top of that because it's getting ridiculous. And the more they win it, the more they are likely to win it the following year. Um, let's hope another scandal hits or something just to make things interesting. Uh, I'm joking. Juve fans don't start crying and loading up the comments now. But if you are bored of what's been happening in Serie A this year, you can remind yourself of the old days by heading over to ForzaItalianFootball.com, going across to the right top corner and clicking on the shop or store button, whatever it's called. And yeah, just remembering yesteryear, whether it's for Napoli, Milan, Inter, Roma, Fiorentina, whoever you want. We've got the Captain's Collection and the Azzurri Collection. You can buy mugs, T-shirts, phone cases, pens, literally anything you can think of we've got with Serie A and Italian football legends on them. Um, Roberto Baggio is there. Battigol is there. Totti, of course, is there. Um, surprisingly, there are no Udinese players there, but I guess that's not really too much of a surprise considering the club's a joke. Uh, so yeah. I was promised a series two that had Di Natale on it. I was promised it. I have it in writing. We'll get him in his Empoli shirt then if we do. Um, don't <laughs> worry. That's brutal. <laughs> <laughs> but on a serious note, there is some great stuff over there. So do head over and buy all of it because we like when you buy our things. 
if we're going to move down the table, then Roma tighten their grip on third place by beating Cagliari 1-0. And Atalanta visit the capital and drew one each with Lazio and probably should have beaten them. But one team in the Eternal City is happy this week, Fido, and it is very much Roma, who you mentioned already. Uh, they're back in the Champions League next season, pretty much. I think they're not going to mess it up from here. I think it's very unlikely that they'll mess it up. And after what has happened this season, I hope that it's not a one-off. Uh, Roma, although they haven't been the best team in the Serie A, and I think one of the problems with them was the shooting because in a lot of games, and I've mentioned it on the podcast previously, some of the shots were pretty poor. So they definitely need more shooting practice. In saying that, the run in the Champions League was Fantastic, and it was probably a bit disappointing the way they went out. But with Monchi in his first year as sporting director and Di Francesco in his first year as Roma coach, I still think that this could be a time for them to really just build upon what they've done this season and just become better and better. Because even before the season started, I had seen this as a transition year, but I think they shocked a lot of people by going as far as they did in Europe. Definitely. And even... It almost sounds silly to say, given they were 5 0 down at one point in the semi finals, but with the exception of about 25 minutes, Roma did quite well against Liverpool and were arguably the better side for the majority of that, those two legs. And if it wasn't for that absolute capitulation and just, I don't even know what else to call it for that 25 minutes when Liverpool just carved them apart by doing nothing other than kicking a ball over the top and Roma failing to respond. It, it could have been quite a different outcome. And you would hope that Eusebio Di Francesco will learn from his mistakes this year in Europe. And you do get the impression that Roma are a club who will give him the time to kind of learn on the job and hopefully improve going forward. Messio, have you been impressed with Roma this year? You can give them some Champions League praise if you like, because with the timing of this, we don't always get to do that. Yeah, no, I have actually. They've been, first of all, a fun team to watch, which... I always appreciate. And the fact that they've, they've been, I don't want to say different, but you can, you could have seen, you saw their evolution throughout the season. Like you saw the parts where they realized that they had the gaps and they started filling it in. And it's been, I don't know. It's been kind of fun again, as a neutral, just to watch a team do well and progress, which again, I, I sound so negative on this pod, but fair enough. Um, so for me, with Roma, they've just been kind of the team that you want to support, even with your own team. Like, you kind of want to secretly throw yourself behind them because you thought they were going to do well. No? Now you're shaking your head? Oh, Christ. Um, but uh, actually, Connor, I have a question for you. Am I allowed asking you a question as a, the moderator? Uh, yeah, go on. Okay. Um, and sorry, no, no offense, Vito, but... Connor, as somebody who has a club that could actually do well in the season, how do you how do you feel about the Juventus run? Like, obviously, I have no like standing in it, but how do you feel about a team that you know you just can't win? Like, it's impossible. Sorry, I'm really confused. Can you repeat that? I don't really know what you asked. Like, okay, Atalanta has the chance to actually do well in Serie A, but you know that they will never actually become that pinnacle. How do you feel as a fan in order, thinking about, like, 
that you will never be able to win the scudetto because it's just out of question and has nothing to do with your own talent. Well, I think that could be applied to any league in Europe because success is relative to each individual club. And for Atalanta to be consistently in Serie A, given the size of that club historically, is success. For them to be qualifying for Europe is ridiculous overachievement. And for them to do it two years in a row is just insane and something that no one could have really expected this time two years ago. Uh, was it the 15-16 season or the one before when they were very close to getting relegated? They finished 17th or something. And like the first five games of last season, they were in the relegation zone. Gasparini might have been sacked and then they stuck with them and finished with 72 points and in fourth place. So that for Atalanta is success. And I don't think the fans would even dare to dream of challenging for the Scudetto because it's just so far removed from what they're about at the moment. Um, I think the question that you're asking is probably more appropriate to put to someone like Nick when we have him on or a Roma fan or a Milan fan or someone like that because you could say the same thing to Premier League clubs, Premier League club fans who support the likes of Everton and stuff. You know, They're never going to be expected to win the, the big trophies but they kind of just have to do the best with what they can. And speaking as an Atalanta fan, qualifying for Europe is almost as good as winning a title because it gives you those adventures. And if Atalanta had gone through against Dortmund, who knows what would have happened this season. So I think without sounding too cheesy, when you support the club like this, it's about those little moments throughout a season rather than what goes in your trophy cabinet. And then if you can win a cup, or upset a couple of teams on a run in Europe or something along the way. That's all the fun of it. But you've sidetracked us terribly by asking that question. Uh, Vito, we'll stick with this, I guess, because look, the Scudetto's done. We might as well. Um, have you any thoughts on what Missio asked? Because you support... Sampdoria are a bigger club than Atalanta would be, and they're in that similar position where mm. if they got into Europe, that's huge success for them. It is true. And, you know, in my case, the funny thing is when Sampdoria had the glory period, I was only a baby and a toddler, so I would not have been aware of it. And even coming from Australia, uh, the coverage wouldn't be there because at that time it was just confined to highlights on Sunday mornings. That's it, one hour, especially in a country that doesn't follow football greatly. In saying that, you know, now with modern technology and all that, being able to follow something makes things easier, but it's going to be very hard to dream of such uh, success. You know, winning a second school debt was a very unrealistic proposition for us because we don't have the money that we had in the 80s and 90s. And as you said, I think us getting into Europe it would be a great achievement in itself because we are pretty much a selling club a player that can only really a club that can only really develop young players. So it's just those little moments or those redeeming features that we got to look out for. For us, winning stuff is not realistic. So we got to have other redeeming features like being able to develop the unknowns and also being a team that plays entertaining football. Because if we played destructively, I honestly think it would turn us into relegation battlers. It would hurt us a lot, but. Being this team that's good on its day and being competitive against the big sides, although we drop off against small sides, 
um, it does give us some sort of appeal. And even, and specifically about some, our kits are considered to be amongst the best in the world, if not at least the best in Italy. So it does give us a redeeming feature. But success, and if you're judging success on the basis of trophies, yeah, there's not just much to look forward to because the financial clout's not there and it's not like we've got this super youth academy like other clubs have. So we're not going to be producing all the talent year in, year out. I think that's an important point because we often forget that only one team can actually win the Scudetto every year, you know? So should 19 other teams be disappointed because they're not? That's just in Serie A as well. Should every other team in Italy be disappointed because they're not winning the Scudetto? Of course they shouldn't. They've got to set these goals based on what they can realistically achieve. And again, I, I can jump in on what Vito said with the youth players. You do get that sense of joy when you see a player coming through at Atalanta. There's the frustration when Inter inevitably go oh we like the look of him here's 30 million euro we'll take him and then people start screaming if he's not a world beater within six months as Roberto Gagliardini has learned this year but when you look at the Italy squad and you see like Jack Bonaventura um, even Manolo Gagliardini players like that and Davide Zabacosta all these players who have come through at your club and now they're just kind of scattered around that Zabacosta's at Chelsea now he wouldn't it's crazy to see, and you do have to kind of take some sort of satisfaction out of that. I, I think that's similar to the point Vito was trying to make there. Um, if Vito, if you've nothing else to say on this, actually, Missio, what do you think? You brought it to the table, and Udinese are succeeding by their standards this season by fighting relegation in Serie A and not being relegated already. So, what are your thoughts? I don't know. It's actually something that I think about quite a bit. Um, and yeah, I think Udinese is is maybe close to Sampdoria where we produce these players and we're kind of known for getting things picked out and like our team being ripped apart and these players being sent elsewhere. And I jokingly tweet all the time, like I have a hashtag that is he used to be Udinese. So it's really frustrating for me. And like, I talk about it with my dad quite a bit and how like, we should just be happy that we're here. Like we should be happy that we're mid table. We should be happy that like, we beat one game and I don't know if this is like the North American attitude in me, but I don't think we should be happy. Like I get seriously pissed off at them when they lose. I know that like, I kind of joke about it, but like this season has just horrified me about how bad they were and how no one seems to care. I not, not to steal Vito's thunder here, but like the Pozzo family don't care at all. They're focusing their efforts more on Watford. Um, and there's going to be no changes. And I know I keep joking and saying that I hope they go to Serie B, but I hope they do. And I hope it's like a, um, I hope it's like it was in the eighties when the club realizes they have to do some things and turn around and they start actually putting money back in the club rather than sort of just accepting this like mid table mediocrity, which is the part that I have a problem with. And I say it's kind of a North American attitude because North American sports are set up totally differently. And like we, we um, give awards to teams that do poorly because we then give them the first draft and like we have playoffs and whatnot. So there is this really big, strong focus on winning and we don't have sort of that situation of points and whatnot to get into other competitions. But for me, it just, it, it bothers me that people just sort of sit back on their laurels and they say, yeah, we're good enough. Yeah, that's okay. When 
you really should be winning and striving. And if you're winning and striving is getting that last champion league spot, that's fine. Like as long as you have a goal and target in mind, but I find a lot of the mid-level teams in Italy, it's just being hitting that sort of 40 point plateau. And that's all that they're happy about. And it drives me insane. But again, with that success isn't instant, you know, so to go from being one of these teams who are happy to survive to then challenging for the Champions League and to then eventually challenging for the Scudetto. You don't, you don't wake up one night and then bang, oh, we're going to win the league this year. You know, it, it takes a lot of groundwork first. Um, I'm sorry to move out of Italian football, but my local club in Ireland, Bray Wanderers, are a team who success for Bray was the fact that they had stayed in the top flight for 10 years in a row, which was more than most other clubs. And then, new owners came in, threw money at it, and all of a sudden they were being spoken about as dark horses for the title. And they were in the European places a couple of months into the season. The money dried up and players stopped playing, managers stopped managing, and the whole thing went to absolute shit, for want of a better phrase. And now who knows if the club's going to be in business this time next year because you don't just throw money at something, everything falls into place, fans come out of nowhere and you're a global enterprise. It takes a long time to build up that reputation, not only in the country that you play in, but all around the place. We've gotten terribly sidetracked. I shouldn't be talking about League of Ireland. People in this country don't even care about it. Um, So I'm sure people tuning in to listen about Italian football don't, although given you may have won another league, who knows if you're looking for another league to tickle your interest. Come to Ireland, guys. Uh, don't, it's not very good. Right, I think we've done that. Atalanta, Lazio, that kind of tees us up nicely. We will go into Milan Verona shortly in a minute, but before that, Atalanta play Milan next week in what could be a straight shootout for sixth place and that European place, although it will probably drop down. But in Bergamo, in a repeat of last season's game, you know, that's not going to be easy for the Rossoneri, is it? And no, it's not. And also when you consider that AC Milan have the Coppa Italia final coming up in a few days' time, uh, I don't think it's going to be particularly easy for them because Atalanta will be better rested, obviously, and depending on how long the Coppa Italia final goes, especially if it somehow goes to extra time or penalties, um, yeah, the... The energy levels might not be the same. They might have dropped down a bit. So I think this is a good chance for Atalanta to possibly capitalise on that. And I won't say it's a guaranteed win for Ladea, but I think it's a probable chance of them getting the win, especially if Musa Baro maintains his uh, fine form. Vito, don't curse it. Please do not curse it because I'm going over to this game. I booked it on a whim and I cannot wait and... To be honest, I think the fact that Atalanta come into this game behind Milan plays into their hand because they just have to go out and win. Barrow will probably start. Gomez will start. Ilicic might. Uh, I would love nothing more than to see them just tear them to pieces next week and clinch another European journey. Um, oh, it's amazing. Vito, if they get into Europe next year, you have to come because Sam blew their chances this season. I'm sorry, but mm. we did. Are we going to talk about Milan? Go what? No, I just said uh, I have my reasons for Sam's failure. Don't worry. <laughs> I think I've I think I've uh, made my points come across uh, a lot earlier. So I think everyone knows my sentiments about 
the yeah, downfall look, of the blue Chikati in the second half of the season. Look, I confess it was a cheap attempt to try to get you animated to go on a rant, but it didn't work. And I felt bad as soon as I said it, because I quite like Sampdoria myself and I'm upset that they're not going to be in Europe next year. But Well, the Ultras, uh, apparently they still have a friendship, so mm. there's still a bit of sympathy between the two clubs there. It's an interesting one, you know, because the friendship isn't official anymore, but... Yeah. I had a banner up supporting Samp's Ultras recently. So it's yeah. as official as it can be without being official. Strangely. Yeah. Uh, Bane for you says, Atalanta will eat Milan alive. Let's hope so, mate. Brian Bolden wants to know if I'm going to do an Irish football podcast. Definitely not. There's about 11 of them already, which is more teams than are in the Premier Division. So the market is saturated. Uh, where have we got? We just dropped down to the bottom of Serie A because that's really where the interest is now Spal got a huge win by beating Benevento 2-0 Alberto Poloski has arrived again in Serie A he got a big goal and Mirko Antonucci got a late penalty they are only what three points or something above the drop zone but given the amount of teams the number of teams rather between them and 18th you would imagine they are safe Missio what do you think Spal survival done um, personally, or I guess professionally. Professionally. Um, uh, okay. Uh, yeah, probably. It's it has been interesting watching the drop, especially over the last three weeks or so, because it has changed so much and the gap has really uh, got closer together. But yeah, now I think I think we might be seeing the three that drop as of this week. If you thought the only way to get a more defined jawline with natural-looking results was through surgery, think again. Juvederm Volux XC is a non-surgical injectable gel filler that improves moderate to severe loss of jawline definition and can help you achieve natural-looking results with little downtime. Even better, this improved definition lasts up to one year with optimal treatment. No maintenance required. Improve jawline definition for a smooth, sculpted look with Juvederm Volux XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. You, what? <laughs> what? 
I don't know what you just said. I think you spoke in like Americanisms or something. <laughs> but you, I'm not American, said, thank you. You are. You said words that were all English language words, but I didn't understand the context that you used them in. Maybe I just wasn't listening closely enough. But I uh, mean, I feel like that's probably that's probably where we're going. Um, no, I think Spall will stay up. And the three that are in the drop right now are in, is who's going to be dropping. Drop. Okay. I thought you said draw. And no, I thought, drop. Okay. There we go. That's where the confusion came from. Sorry, uh, listeners. Sorry. It's my Canadian it. accent. Yeah. Which is on what continent? North America. That's not okay. North America. And okay. it's my Toronto accent. I was just trying to wind you up and I succeeded. <laughs> Thank you very much. Um, Kievo then are out of the bottom three, as Dov's Giovanni will be happy about, and everyone else who likes football will be pretty miserable about. And they've been replaced by Cagliari, who are probably... I don't want to say it because I like the Sardinian team being in there, but it, it does look like they're going to be the ones to drop out. They've still got to play who is at Fiorentina and Atalanta, which isn't going to be easy. Um, Udinese then. Sonia, your time to shine has arrived from being Champions League contenders, in your words, to... I said European contenders. You you said Champions League. There was a Twitter conversation less than two weeks ago in which you said it that I wasn't even involved in. Saw you say it and jumped in because I was so outraged. And... um, Um, Yeah, I don't think we're going to get there this season. Um, (laughs) (laughs) We may not make it. We're a couple points off. Um, no, it's like, it, it's so frustrating because we were doing so well too. When Odo came on and we started winning, the team looked really, really, you know, put together and things were kind of happening for us. But I think it was over before the season started when our big signing was Maxi Lopez. And to me, that is absolutely ridiculous and not necessarily something we should have celebrated. Like, they were basically saying, who's the most Dina Talley person that we can find and slit him into the spot and hope for this, like, grandfather talisman again. And it did not work out whatsoever. So, uh, yeah, I mean, like I said, I, I kind of hope that they would have dropped because I really do feel like some changes would have been made and I would learn all about Serie B next year and I was really looking forward to that. But I think, unfortunately, they're just going to keep on bobbing and stay where they are. Um, I really hope that they don't just stay what they are because I would love to see them get relegated. Um, <laughs> uh, we're going to look at the Serie A table if it had begun on January 1st, which I know doesn't mean anything because it obviously didn't, but it's a lot of fun for me to do that. So I'm going to pull it up now. So 17 games have been played. Udinese have actually played 18 games since the turn of the year. Sonia, of those 18 games, how many do you think Udinese have won in 2018? We haven't won any, have we? You've Unless it was like one. really... When? Was it in January? I don't know when it was, but you were okay. rock bottom of the table since the first of the... Yep. The first day of the year. Uh, Eight played, one win. We drew Benevento. You did. Congratulations. You drew at one of the worst yep. teams to ever play Thank in you. the top flight of Serie A. Um, you drew three other teams and lost 13. You've seven points from those 18 games, which... Just compared to Benevento, Benevento have 14. So Benevento, since January, have been almost twice as good as Udinese, who were Champions League contenders, apparently. European contenders. I said European in the Slack conversation. I definitely did. Hmm. 
Yeah, you did, to be fair. But you said Champions League then two weeks ago. So you did say both of those things. Um, And I'm obviously going to pick up the one that was the most outrageous. (laughs) You're a disgrace. Uh, Right, look... I, I was ready to go all in on Udinese, mostly on Sonia this week, because I, I wrote down on this before I realized you were coming on. Sonia Messia wanted to come on to the podcast this week, but funnily enough, she since decided she has other plans after they got walked 4-0 by Inter. But to be fair, you've stepped forward, you've worn your Udinese shirt. Is that the same Udinese shirt that nearly got us killed outside San Siro? It is actually, yep. Uh, I think there's still like a bit of my blood in the bag from that broken <laughs> bottle. But um, yeah, the, the shirt has uh, stuck with me for quite some time. It's like literally 10 years old at this point now. But you know what? They're just a team that has so much potential, so much untapped potential. And they have a really good social media team. So if you just want to follow like excellent online football stuff follow Udinese that is literally like the only good thing I can say about them this season but their social media manager is fantastic um Vito <laughs> if that hasn't been enough to wind you up to go on a rant uh I don't know what is so talk about Udinese and get angry oh uh, don't, uh, don't worry uh I still got other topics I can still lash on and find something to talk about in my weekly rant. But, yeah, personally, I would just try to avoid repeating myself from last week because I think I pretty much covered everything on Udinese. And, look, if we want to keep it related specifically to this week, watching the game against the Inter, I think 4-0 was probably a bit generous. I reckon if Antonio Candreva knew how to shoot, it would be a lot more than that. It might have been about 6 or 7-0 because... Udinese, they did not apply any pressure. And even though they were defending, there were numbers in the penalty area or the defensive third, but there was no actual defending, no pressing, no closing down of spaces. And when you let uh, Borja Valero at his age just walk around and pass the ball freely, then you know that you're having problems because Valero's had a poor year. Yeah, you said that. Yeah. I don't want to talk about Inter. Come on, more fun. Okay, but as uh, <laughs> as good as as good as Inter were, they like I said, Candreva couldn't shoot for crap. But Udinese made them look a lot better than what they should have. And uh, yeah, I just saw no fighting spirit from Udinese. No, no ambition to turn the game around. And. Uh, yeah, they look like a team devoid of ideas. So, again, it goes back to, you know, changing coaches is not enough. I think it's to do with the hierarchy of the club. Like Sonia said, they're more preoccupied with Watford. And it seems like whether it's the players or just the mindset in the dressing room too, there's just no, yeah, they just haven't got much. There's no desire to exceed expectations or get out of the mess they're in at the moment. And to kind of go on that too, I think the problem is they've lost any sort of identity. Like for the longest time, it was the Di Natale club and people sort of rallied around him or they rallied around the idea that we would get these fantastic new people in and we would basically develop them and then send them off to bigger clubs. But I don't think you can name one characteristic other than 
they were very, very bad about Udinese this season. And we've lost anything that kind of made us special or unique in, in Italy. And nothing is being replaced by that. And no ideas are coming forward. And I'm not saying that we need that sort of one big player up there. Like, it could have been a collective unit. But we don't have it. We have nothing to show for years of kind of building us up to that European position from like five to seven years ago. And we just started slipping without putting any sort of long-term plan into place. And I don't think there is any long-term plan. We have a youth system that is okay, but it isn't anything special. And it seems like any sort of scouting that we used to do has sort of fallen by the wayside because Watford is the number one priority. And whether that's because... Uh, Jean Paulo is, you know, pushing 80 or something like that, and he doesn't really care as much. And Gino is now in England looking over that club, uh, looking over Watford. It just seems like this is sort of the forgotten kid that they sort of pushed to the side. Like, we're not the new shiny toy anymore, and we're not making the headlines that we used to, so there's no money there, so why invest? And I can understand that from a business side of things, but at the same time, as a fan, it's really, really shitty. Like, it's hard to watch. Um, I'm sick of it, and as I talk now, we've we've done it a lot last week and this week, and we've, we're on a bit of a deadline here, Sonia, because you've to disappear. So we'll we'll finish things off by just dipping our toe into Serie B. Uh, Dan 1913 on Twitter asked me this week to discuss it on the podcast, so we might as well satisfy him, and I'm sure there are some other listeners out there who want it as well. Um, it's still pretty brilliant down there. Nothing except for the champions has been decided. There's still just what six points or something separating second to seventh and then another six points separating 22nd to 17th so so everything to play for Palma dropped down to fourth after losing 2-1 to Cesena uh, Palermo and Frosinone both won so the playoff list at the moment is Palermo, Palma, Venezia, Bari, Cittadella and Perugia which is just great to see that one of those teams has a really good chance of coming up to Serie A next year Vito fill us in on what happened then this week well, generally speaking, I think we're still going to see an exciting race for those playoff spots and also for that second automatic spot. Palermo managed to get a 3-2 win away to Ternana and that puts a dent in Ternana's hopes of survival. But for Palermo, it gives them that chance of getting that automatic position, especially after they sacked their coach Bruno Tedino um, the week before. And... Yeah, Venezia, they got a much-needed 2-1 win against Foggia. The funny thing was Foggia equalised in the dying minutes, but then the Venetians, they got the equalise, uh, the winning goal in stoppage time. So that was a handy win for them. It puts them into contention for the playoffs as well. And Bari, their hopes of getting automatic promotion are probably slim, but they got a 3-1 win themselves. And, yeah, I think they're having some good momentum leading into the playoff run I, I don't know about you guys personally I'm throwing my support behind Parma first and then Barry second in the, the race for promotion out of that list of teams um, Vito we of course did mention that Guido Maralungo ex-Atalanta and Sampdoria scored this weekend as did Alberto Gilardino Sonia can you guess what age Gilardino is because I thought he was about 52 um, 37 Oh, you're close enough, actually. He's 35, believe it or not. That man is still only in his mid-30s, which is amazing to see that he's still knocking about and scoring goals. 
Right. Uh, I, that's really all I wanted to discuss this week was Alberto Gerardino's age. So we've hit that. <laughs> I've checked it off the list so we can finish this up and I can go to bed and mm-hmm. Peter can go to work and Sonia can go to a meeting. So, yeah. Sonia, thank you for stepping up uninvited at the last minute. Uh, you're, you're welcome. Anything to talk to you, baby Brick? Oh, there it is. <laughs> there it is. Forty something minutes through, and it comes up. But uh, given that name's been around for about four years now, I think I've done pretty well. Vito, thanks as ever. It's been a pleasure. Yeah, that's all right. Um, we also had some comedy material too, but you know, it's been a been a good show. And yeah, I'm sure even if I didn't have a proper rant this week, oh, we'll squeeze something in next week. No, sorry, forget that. We're gonna squeeze it in this week. Because I do have something else to mention, but first, Vito, you wanted to talk about Roberto Donadoni's coaching credentials. Yes, yes, yes. Take yes. it away. Um, Take it away. All right. Um, most of my other rants have been pretty natural, but uh, this one was a bit planned. So we'll see how it goes. But uh, context first: Juve uh, did beat Bologna three-one, and for the second week in a row, Donadoni blamed the VAR or use, lack of use of it. And I think it's a very lame excuse on his part. I must admit, I had a Twitter discussion. I've had a few Twitter discussions about Donadoni as a coach in general. And at one stage I was getting this, I think it was either a fan, yeah, a fan girl of Donadoni's who just could only think of Donadoni and uh, did not like my criticisms of him as a coach. And then I had to block her because, you know, she couldn't see my point of view. Anyway... <laughs> Donadoni was a great player. That AC Milan side of the 80s and 90s is one of the greatest teams that ever played the game. And the Dutch trio get a lot of credit, as well as that defence of Baresi and Maldini, but Donadoni was a great player. If you watch him play, great individual technique and also a great contributor for the team. But as a coach, he's been a big disappointment and I think he is getting strung along because of his reputation as a player. He is a simplistic coach. He's not a tactical chameleon. And whenever he's done good, it's been because of key players in that team that do well. When he was in fifth place with Livorno, it was because of Cristiano Lucarelli. When Parma were close to getting into the Europa League, he had Antonio Cassano, Marco Parolo, Amaury, Antonio Mirante, and a few other players. Bologna, they're looking good. But uh, Simone Verdi, he's carrying them with his free kicks and individual brilliance. To me, he's not a player, a coach that can improve players or improve squads. He's simple. Uh, I can't say he's really an attacking coach, can't say he's defensive. But for me, I think he has had a longer career as a coach because of what he's done as a player. And to me, uh, I think Bologna would be better off, you know, not giving him a new contract. And it looks like he's going to go anyway. But... I don't think he deserves to coach bigger clubs. And if he thinks that he's going to be coaching Milan one day, he can keep dreaming because he'll be like Zenga coaching Inter. He'll be dreaming. If I had an option between Milan getting coached by Donadoni, Inter being coached by Zenga or pigs flying, you will see pigs fly. So I think Donadoni should accept this level and maybe, you know, try another league or go to another smaller club. But, if you want to have ambition, if you want to develop players or see a spectacle, you're not going to get that with Donadoni. So if you want to see Donadoni in good light, just go watch some footage of AC Milan and see what a great player he was. Because for me, he's such a simple coach. 
yeah. you know that went on and it was so articulate it was brilliant and the, excellent um I'm seriously Thank proud you. of you right now. Seriously proud of you. But yeah, Donna Donny was linked with the Milan job on a number of occasions in the last few years, yeah. which just seems to be bizarre. You've got you're getting praise. Imran Khan has come into the comments, regular commenter. Vito's rants are the best. So we need to <laughs> actually you know what? That's what we'll do. We'll start a hashtag on Twitter. What will Vito rant about next? And we'll take suggestions and throw them at you. <laughs> and whatever sticks, you just put something for the end of the podcast every week. Uh, okay, yeah. Oh look. I think uh, it would it would be a good idea. Uh, like I said, the previous ones have usually come naturally, but if we got to save a special segment, why not? And I think in the last two weeks, with those people, they they try to <laughs> with the rehearsals for the comedy festival by trying to say Jonah's going to win a tenth scudetto. Um, yeah, they're gonna. I think they're doing what they can to provide some good comedy. Excellent. Uh, Brian Bolden only comes for your rants. Hashtag Vito rant. Uh, great stuff. Right, we, we do have to end things, but it is worth keeping an eye on ForzaTalionFootball.com over the next couple of weeks because it's the end of the season, which means the annual end of season Forza Italian Football Awards. And there's about 100 categories. So it's worth going over there and voting for those once they're up. Keep an eye on Twitter, Facebook or the website, whatever you like, and it'll be there. The Marco Matarazzi Award for Greatness is always the closest of them, and it's always worth keeping an eye on that one. Vito agrees. Sonia, you have to go, so say goodbye before you do. Uh, bye. Thanks, guys, for having me on. Also, Vito Rance is good, but what about Vito Vence? You have the uh, alliteration there. there. I've been thinking Perfect. about this for quite some time. Vito Vence. You get, like, a title card and everything. We could make that? that a regular weekly video. Vito Vence. Yeah. I can see it now. Vito Vence. Okay. I like it. I like it. Uh, That was my best contribution to this show. (laughs) Uh, But thanks for having me on, guys. Uh, uh, Sorry that I have to jet and close this off because it has been fun. No, I admire your courage for wearing that jersey today. (laughs) This is not the most dangerous place I've worn this jersey. Get Connor to tell you about it after. Yeah. (laughs) I'll be here for. 20 minutes talking about the idiocy of Sonia Missio if we go into that story. <laughs> Sonia nearly got us killed at San Siro in the Gurva suit. Uh, it was great. Hashtag Vito Vence is already lighting up the comments, Vito. You'll be happy to know. So that's something oh, we're nice. going to look into. And it is something that we was <laughs> interested throughout the summer with Italy not being in the World Cup. But we do have to go. And uh, the transfer market too. <laughs> yeah. criticize how bad... Rumours are or how improbable they are or even no, save it. how save bad it. they are. Yeah. You've created a monster. Yeah. <laughs> Next Anything week, you're going hits. off about transfers, but we need to save it. We need to finish. I need yeah, to go. Nice. To All, All right. right. Um, Thank you, everyone. Everyone, uh, get us on Twitter at Serie IFFC, Facebook and Instagram for Italian Football. And we'll be back again same time next week. I'll be in Italy, hopefully celebrating. But until then, it's ciao for now. Ciao. Allo stadio mazza è una cosa pazza, una festa universale. E la curva ovest ci ha compatta gode nelle varie pugni al sole.
dura, ma non c'è paura, vecchia estense è un'avventura. deserves the best and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 